0: MacCast, Sunday, April 6th, 2014. Hey, MacGeeks, it's time for your MacCast, the show for MacGeeks by MacGeeks. I'm Adam, and this is the show where we discuss all things Macintosh. How are you doing? Welcome back to the MacCast. Well, I have one more day of Macworld coverage for you. Uh This is the final day I was at the show, had a great time up there in San Francisco. If you've never had a chance to go to Macworld, you might consider it. I think it's becoming a uh, much more consumer-oriented, consumer-friendly show. I also like what they're doing to sort of expand out the tracks. Now, I go to Macworld simply to cover the show floor and find out all the new products and stuff like that. But if you take a look through the list, I think they should still have it up on the uh, Macworld iWorld website. All the lists of sessions and things like that, there are some amazing things going on. As a matter of fact, I did get to sit down and attend one session, and that was Gene McDonald's uh, App Camp for Girls session, which was unbelievable. They did a little mini version of what they do with App Camp for Girls. That's the program Jean set up. Actually, she just left Smile recently to do the program full-time, and they are going to have women teaching girls how to build and develop apps, and uh, it is really, really cool to see what they were doing with that. So you have stuff like that. There's a lot going on with music and entertainment. I know Brian Chaffin did a whole thing on Bitcoin, which never would have been done in the past, I don't think. So they've really expanded out the kinds of programs and teaching and stuff that they're doing there. So take a look and uh, maybe consider it next year. We'll see you out there. I also want to say thank you to everybody who came out and was at the show and and came up to me and said that they enjoy the MacCast, that they're a listener, um, and they're enjoying what I'm doing. That really means so much to me. So thank you very, very much for doing that. Had a great time at the show. But I've got This final day of coverage, a couple more cool products and things to talk to you about, but before we get into that, I do want to take a quick moment and thank one of my show sponsors, and that is Gazelle. Gazelle lets you get cash for your old Apple products, also smartphones and things like that, but if you have an old iPhone, an iPad, maybe a Mac, and you're not sure what to do with it, you can give it to Gazelle for cash, and the way it works... And one of the reasons I really like Gazelle a lot is just how simple the process is. So you simply go to gazelle.com. You use their little wizard. Tell them what you have, if it's an iPhone or an iPad, what generation, the kind of condition it's in, any kinds of accessories that you might have for it. And then right there, they give you an offer for your item. And if you choose to take advantage of that offer, they will cover the shipping costs and in some cases even send you a box to send it in with. And you package it all up. Send it in to them, and then when they receive it, they have a look over it. Make sure it matches sort of the things that you said. And as long as it does, they pay you either by check, by PayPal, or you can opt for an Amazon gift card, in which case you'll get 5% more on your offer. Actually, that's my favorite option because I, cause I use Amazon Prime all the time. So it goes right into your Amazon ca- account. You get paid fast and quick. Could not be easier. And they have literally bought back hundreds of thousands of items. So I've used the service on several occasions. I think it's absolutely fabulous. It gets away from a lot of the hassles of doing a private sale, using online auction sites, all that sort of stuff. You don't have to worry about fraud, things like that. That's one reason I really, really like Gazelle. So if you have some old items, you want to get some cash for them, some old Apple products, you really should check it out. Gazelle.com is the place to go. And a big thank you to them for their support of the MacCast. So what do you say we head out to the show floor and uh, roam around for the final day at Macworld? Found some really cool stuff on this last day. And I I don't even think I got around to see everything. I try the best I can, but uh, there was a lot of great stuff there to check out. But hopefully I hit some of the highlights and hopefully you've enjoyed this coverage. So here we go, Macworld 2014, day three. So I'm here with Brett from Core Brands and they have a really unique... uh, speaker system for your iOS devices, something that uses a different technology, something I hadn't heard about, um, and we're going to get into the products in a second, but I want to start out, I haven't heard about uh, Core Brands before or the chorus products, so I wanted to ask you, Brett, first, what's a little bit of the background, the history of the company, and how did you get into these these kinds of consumer products?
1: Sure, so Core Brands uh, it, it has an audio history going back 40 years. We have a portfolio of, of 11 different brands. Uh, and really high-end uh, products. We, for example, pioneered the whole in-ceiling, in-wall speaker uh, category, uh, a number of firsts uh, in subwoofers and amplifiers, things like that. So a very rich heritage in audio. And uh, Chorus is a new uh, product line, uh, the first we've done for the consumer market. And it's a completely wireless solution uh, using a new wireless audio technology that has its roots in the pro audio space.
0: Right. And so a lot of us have probably heard about Bluetooth wireless speakers. They're kind of hot right now. But um, I know from my own personal experience with Bluetooth, I'm playing around even with like some iBeacons right now, uh, and I've got a lot of wireless in my house. I've got all kinds of frequencies going back and forth, and interference can often be an issue. And when you're dealing with audio uh if you're getting interference, that can potentially mean dropouts. So your technology handles that sort of thing a little bit better, right?
1: Yeah, so there's a number of advantages with the wireless audio technology uh, that we're using. Uh, number one, it, it will uh, essentially frequency hop. So it'll hop and, and look for channels where that have no conflict, no, no wireless uh, devices uh, active in those channels. So that's a, a huge benefit you get a really nice, reliable, stable connection between your source device and the speakers. Uh, It's also, it's literally plug and play friendly. So we have little transmitters you plug into your iPad or your iPhone or even a USB transmitter for your PC or Mac. You plug it in and you're immediately connected to your speakers, you can stream to one or as many as four speakers at a time. You can spread them out, uh, one in the kitchen, one in the living room. Uh, The range is as far as 65 feet indoors depending on your home uh, design one hundred and fifty feet put up outside um, and uh, you have n- little almost near zero latency meaning you get a really nice tight synchronous uh, connection between your iPad or your iPhone and, and the speakers so you c- everything remains perfectly in sync I can even stream the audio if I 'm watching uh, something on Netflix or iTunes a video I can stream that audio to my speakers and it'll remain in perfect synchronization with the on-screen action.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something a lot of consumers probably don't know about, is that that's actually really usually pretty tricky to do.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, you you really, Wi-Fi has an inherent delay, there's a, a lag, uh, and even Bluetooth inevitably will fall behind, uh, you know, and you're, you'll get that lip-sync effect. Right. And I, I don't remember you mentioned, so the technology is called SKA? Uh, yeah, SKA, S-K-A-A. And um, it's, it's been, you know, it, it, it's available on a number of products, not just ours. We've, we've taken it into the mass market with the Chorus brand. Um, but it is a licensed wireless audio technology available to manufacturers today. Right. And so what you have is a couple different speaker
0: models. Can you explain the differences between the two?
1: Sure. So we've got two models uh, that we launched uh, last year, uh, the Chorus V600 speaker uh, which is really ideal for a, a larger room, a living room, maybe a large master bedroom or outdoor back patio. Uh, seven speaker drivers in t- inside that speaker, so it carries quite a, a, a kick and can fill a large area. And then the smaller V400 for smaller spaces, like maybe a kitchen counter or a bathroom counter.
0: Right, and then you were showing me, so the system when you buy it actually comes with all the adapters and dongles and things that you're going to need to be able to connect to your devices and your computer?
1: Right. So you can buy the speakers uh, configured with all of the transmitters that you would need. Uh, And you can also buy the speakers uh, just a speaker only if you want to add speakers in your house.
0: All right. Cool. And they look really great. You guys have a really nice design to them as well. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) So... um... I guess we should talk a little bit about pricing. So what does the system cost if, I, if I'm looking to get into uh, the different speaker
1: systems? Sure. So the, the V600 speaker, if you buy the speaker with all the transmitters and everything included, would be 449 a retail. The speaker only would be 399 The smaller V400 would be a 349 with everything included or 299 speaker only. Where can, I, where, where can I find those to uh, purchase? Well, certainly you can buy them from us directly at chorussound.com. That's K-O-R-U-S sound.com. Or Best Buy, their Magnolia Design Center stores or Crutchfield or even Worldwide Stereo. Oh,
0: great. And uh, if people want to see them, they should also head to the website if they want to see what they look like. Again, really good-looking system. They look great with an iPad. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Brad. Appreciate your time. Thank you. I'm at the Rogue Amoeba booth with uh, Paul Kafasis, and I come by here this year because you guys are here every other year, right? We've come in the even years since 2004, yep. Yeah, so I uh, want to get a little update on uh, some of the latest since we last talked, and probably the, the latest thing that you've done is Fission 2. Uh, a lot of people know Audio Hijack Pro, they know Airfoil, I think... People out there know Fission as well, but for those people who don't, what is, can you just do
2: quickly what Fission is? Sure, uh, so Fission is an audio editor. It's designed to be a really simple audio editor. So some people are familiar with GarageBand, which is not terribly complex, but a little more complex, uh, Peak, Sound Studio. Fission's designed to make audio editing as quick and simple as possible. And it was built as a companion to Audio Hijack. So we had people recording audio with Audio Hijack. Excuse me, with Audio Hijack. And they needed to do some simple edits, like trim a little bit of audio out, split it into multiple, multiple files, uh, fade some audio in and out. And we were tired of sending people to tools that were a little more complex than they needed. And also that they weren't paying, for, paying us for. So uh, we made Fission as sort of a companion to Audio Hijack and uh, did pretty well. And so, yeah, Fission 2 is the newest update to that which uh, adds some more functionality in terms of converting between audio formats. It adds support for the FLAC and WAV audio formats, Uh, batch conversion. So if you have a whole bunch of FLAC files, we had a couple people come by who said, uh, I bought a bunch of lossless audio, and it's huge. I I can't play it on my phone. It's a FLAC file. And we said, oh, you can just throw it at the batch converter. It'll save out some MP3 files for you, and then you can put them on your iPhone and uh, listen to them that way. So basically just, yeah, designed as a good companion to Audio Hijack or just as a simple editor for any editing task that people have.
0: Right, and one of the key things is just how clean and simple the interface is. So it it looks like there's quite a bit of stuff in there. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know we're on audio, but, you know,
2: just how that whole process works? Yeah, of course. I mean, people can always download the software right from our site and try it out. Uh, But, yeah, for Fission 2, we really revamped the interface and tried to uh, streamline it as much as possible and get get people... the functionality they needed as as quickly as they needed it. Uh, So, you know, you've got a visual waveform and you can make selections on the audio and then uh, manipulate that audio. So remove it or crop it. So that's the only audio Uh, you can split audio into multiple tracks just by inserting what we call split points. So if you've got the if you've got a file and you insert several split points, it'll save that out as multiple files. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something where hopefully people can pick it up and just look at it and understand what they're doing pretty easily. Right, so it's the kind of
0: thing where I've recorded some audio, maybe I want to fade some stuff in and out on the end, I need to do a couple quick edits, get in and out, and then really export into a wide variety of formats.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully within just a few minutes, I've been joking here, people say, well, how's it compared to GarageBand? I said, well, for what you want to do with this, GarageBand wouldn't have even launched by the time you're done in Fission. So uh, that's, that's sort of the idea there. Yeah, that's the key, is and it's it's like you were saying
0: earlier. I think a lot about the workflow, right? You've recorded some stuff with idea hijack, something like that. You just want to get in make some quick, ed- quick edits and get back out and not, you know, have <laughs> GarageBand, which, you know, like you said, there's a lot of stuff you can do in there, but a lot of people don't need all that. Exactly, exactly. Perfect. Well, uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to catch us up with what's going on with uh, Amoeba and Fission. If people do want to see some of the other products and stuff, I know you already
2: just mentioned the website, but mention it again. Yeah, it's Rogamiba.com, and if you can't spell it, just Google it and you'll be able to find us. I always have to Google it, to be honest. That's alright. <laughs> thanks, Paul. Thank you.
0: I just came by something really cool here at Macworld, and I'm kicking myself because I wish I had been over here on the first day. Uh, you know that I've been shooting some photos and videos for you, putting them up on MacCast today. I just came across, across Flashback and Brad, and he has, like, the perfect app where I could have been mixing my audio and video and and stills and things like that. So, first, I think... Brad, just real briefly, what is Flashback? What's your app and does it to do?
3: Yeah, so Flashback is a new camera app that allows you to capture photos and videos simultaneously. So what Flashback does is every single time you take a photo in the app, it goes back automatically and takes the last five seconds of video and saves that with the photo. So then once you have a bunch of these little video clips put together uh, that you've been taking throughout the day, you can then create what's called a Flashback. And you can add up to 50 different clips, music, transitions, et cetera. And you get a nice little video montage. And all you have to do is take photos. Yeah. So what I could have been done is doing is walking around the show. Every
0: time I shot a photo, I'm going to get a five-second video clip around that photo. And then come back and build these great little montages with music. you got a nice little clean editor in the app, too.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah basically, you can add uh, filters, transitions. Uh, you can... Uh, reorder them drag and drop you can also import uh, videos and photos from your camera roll as well um, so you never miss a moment (laughs) it's really really
0: great and then uh, you had uh, the ability then to take that stuff and then share it out in different methods too
3: yeah we allow you to share it to facebook twitter tumblr um, youtube Uh, individual photos can be shared to instagram um, and also a message as well And you kind of had an interesting story about how how you came to
0: develop the app. Would you mind sharing that?
3: Yeah, so uh, me and my wife, uh, we got married in Thailand, and when we uh, got our video back, um, the photographer had been taking the photos, but the videographer uh, had been kept the video rolling. And when we got it back, he had edited it down to when the photographs were taken. Like for instance, you know, we had the photograph of the bridesmaids holding me up, but the real funny part was actually them trying to get me up. So it, you know, those were the moments that we like to go back and memor and and you know remember. Um, that just photographs can't uh just doesn't do justice capture so you got both at the at the same time which yeah. i think is brilliant really really original it's one
0: of the reasons i love coming to MacWorld is you find these original ideas that you know why didn't somebody else think this before it, but you did which is great <laughs> so uh flashback is available now where can people go get it find out more information about it all that stuff
3: yeah, so you can uh, go to our website, www.flashback.me, uh, for more information. Um, it's actually free uh, for Macworld today. Uh, normally, it's $1.99 on the App Store.
0: Okay, and this might go out after or MacWorld a little bit. So, how long does the free last for? Just for MacWorld? So it's just for MacWorld. It does end today. Um, so, but I, I can comment. I, I would pay a buck ninety nine for this in a heartbeat. I, it, it's brilliant and a lot of great functionality in there. I mean, I he showed us the app originally. I just got to make this comment. So you showed it to us, and you showed us just the flashback thing with the photo and the video, and then building a building a montage. I was going to buy it at that point, and then I started asking about editing and filters and all that stuff, and you've got full suite of tools in there i love the stickers and stuff like that too
3: awesome yes yeah you do definitely have you have a uh, full set of tools not only on photo editing where you can add filters stickers uh text to the photos we also have um video editing where you can trim them rotate them um and uh, add filters as well so for two bucks just go buy it flashback great <laughs> so glad we ran into you brad awesome thank you very much appreciate it
0: we're still hanging out in Appalooza, which is where all the cool apps are, and I just ran uh, into Yaron from Light Tricks. and you guys have an app called Facetune. Uh, what is Facetune?
4: So Facetune is a photo editing app, which, uh, which is focused towards uh, uh, editing uh, portraits. Uh, we have various tools here, such as white and smooth details, reshape, uh, tones tool, a red eye removal tool, defocus, filters, and frames. Um, and basically, uh, what the, the idea of Facetune is to make the editing very easy, very simple to use, and yet very powerful. Because in contrast to other uh, photo editing apps and uh, portrait editing apps that uh, allow you to select some kind of editing... Uh, via various presets, we also allow very powerful local editing that understands what the user wants.
0: Yeah, so we were talking about this a little bit. I mean, one of the tricks when you're doing a lot of photo editing is things like masking and stuff like that. This one's really optimized towards, uh, like you said, portraits, so the kinds of things where you want to smooth the skin tones or you want to maybe whiten the eyes or whiten the teeth. And you can do that all with your finger because you have some underlying technology that kind of handles some of that masking stuff. Can you talk about that a little bit?
4: Yeah, so uh, we created an infrastructure called LT Engine, which is a short name for Lightrix Engine, which basically includes all the the image processing tools that we're using in Facetune and also in our uh, planned future projects um and basically what it uh, the, the basic technology here allows you to uh, understand what the user where the user actually wants to paint uh, so one of our uh, basic features uh, our unique features is called uh, edge avoiding brush which uh, actually changes the size and and uh, and the shape of the brush according to where you paint inside the image so it actually recognizes and uh, uh, it basically checks the content of the image where you want to paint and changes the size and the shape of the image according to that. Yeah, you were, you were walking me through the demo and it was great because you didn't...
0: We zoomed in sometimes, but you didn't have to be really zoomed in all the time to actually get in that right area. And that's, I think, key for kind of uh, an iOS app, right? We're using our fingers. We don't have real precise tools like we would with a mouse typically. So, uh, and I also noticed just across the app, it looks like you guys have spent a lot of time uh, really optimizing this for sort of the touch kinds of controls. Like you were showing me uh, what I would typically call like a cloning tool. You have a different name for it. So can you explain that a little bit?
4: Yes. Yeah, so uh, I think what we understood when we started working on this product is that you're using your, the input device is different, right? You have instead of a mouse, you have uh, you have your finger, and the mouse the mouse is very precise, right? Uh, you can uh, when you move it, you can be very precise. You can be a pixel uh, pixel level precise. And here you have your finger, and you don't want to zoom in, as you said. Um, the patch tool is, uh, is like one of our—I uh, I think of magics. It basically allows you to, uh, to remove blemishes and re- re- replace parts of the image that you don't want to by copying uh, some source texture into, uh, into a target and uh, target area. So it really, instead of just copying the pixel one by one, it actually does some algorithm that blends the uh, the boundary correctly, so it looks really real after the manipulation.
0: Yeah, it looks really great. And it's quick and fast, like you said. I mean, that's that's key also on your iPad. You want to kind of get in, be able to work with your image, and get back out. Um, so if people want to uh, check out the app, they want to get more information about it, where can they go? And also, how much does it cost?
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all, they can go to our website. It's www.facetuneapp.com. And they can also search for Facetune in the App Store. Uh, the cost, it's a paid app. Uh, It costs $2.99 for the iPhone and $3.99 for the iPad.
0: Yeah, really good deal. Great looking app. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you. I'm at refurb.me now with Mo, and I am actually shocked. You pulled me out. We were walking by. You pulled me out of the... Uh, the flow of traffic here and asked me if I wanted to take a look at, your, at what you do and you do a great service for monitoring and tracking refurb product, products if I need a new Mac or something like that. We all like saving money and you've been around for a while but I had no idea uh, the service existed so can you tell everybody what refurb.me is?
5: Okay, thank you Adam so actually we started from a need because I wanted to buy my own laptop from the app refurb store but the problem is that you cannot predict when the product will become available tomorrow or the day after. Or if you wanted to buy a specific configuration, you have to wake up every day, check, check on the website when it will become available. So actually, Refurb.me is a monitoring service that helps customers to buy this product from the Apple Refurb store. So users can set their own criteria on the website for the product that they are looking for. And as soon as there is a match with what they want, they can be alerted by email, SMS, or push notification. So during the Macworld, we have just released a new website and a new iOS app that allows users to browse across all the available products or also previous configuration that came across the Apple Refurb Store, set up an alert and be notified to be the first to buy the product.
0: Right, so it's one of those challenges with the refurb store, and I love Apple refurb products. So you can save some money. I think they're just as good. They come with the same warranties. Um, but you're right, you have to kind of monitor because stuff comes on and off, on and off. So what your service is going to do is allow me not to have to do all that extra work. And you were showing me too that you now have the ability to actually put in some more criteria. Can you talk about that a little bit to kind of customize the kind of uh, system that you're actually looking for?
5: Exactly, so let's take an example for the new Pro because right now it never uh, comes across the Apple refurb store. So what you can do is like you can set up a criteria based alert. Say for example you want a Mac Pro with the generation is more than uh, let's say uh, late 2013 and maximum price is less than, I don't know, 2000 bucks. Um, uh, Processor frequency less than something here and we we save this criteria for you and we check every time if there is something that match what you, you have said. And as soon as there is a product that matches your criteria, you're alerted instantly by email, SMS, push notification to buy it. Right, so I can know right away when the
0: specific model that I want with all my criteria is. And the interface was really nice. It's almost just if anybody's used smart folders or uh, smart playlists, something like that, you just put in the different criteria, fill in the boxes. You've made it really, really easy. And then you guys also have an iOS app as well.
5: Exactly. We have just launched, like, uh, during the first day of the Macworld, an iOS app for the push notifications. So it could be also interesting to to get it directly from your phone. Right, and there is no cost to use the service either, right? Exactly. Exactly, the service is totally free for customers. So we are affiliated with Apple to run this service. So we're not Apple, of course, but we just provide a service for customers to buy this product. Great. And so if people want to uh, sign up, they want to check out the site, uh, maybe find the app, where can they find all that stuff? Of course, it's online. We have the website on www.referb.me or on the App Store with Referb Me. Great. Thank you so much, Mo. Thank you, Adam. Have a great day. I'm with Matt
0: at Henge Docs, and uh, we, we got an interview last year. And you guys had this awesome product called the, uh, the Horizontal dock. Very creatively uh,
4: named. We, very creative, very named. Very creatively
0: named, yeah. And a lot of people may be familiar. You got, you have a lot of great vertical docks. You have the iPhone docks. But I'm really, really excited and interested about this one. Uh, was watching for it all year, but you guys took some time because Thunderbolt, right?
6: Well, there was Thunderbolt and a manufacturing change, too. So about uh, June of last year, we switched up our manufacturing facilities, and we actually uh, raised our A round around the same time, too. And then we also got into the Thunderbolt program at the end of the summer, and that required an architecture change. So, in order to make room for the Thunderbolt boards, uh, we ended up having to move some of the mechanicals around and actually design the whole internal structure from the ground up. Yeah, and so
0: you know, there, there's a lot of docking solutions, Thunderbolt docking solutions coming out right now. Something I'm really excited about on this one, though, is uh, uh, you know, a lot of people do the the vertical docks. I'm the type of person where I use my iP- iPad or uh, MacBook Pro screen rather. Along with an external monitor, so it's like my, you know, my second screen, and so this solution allows that. So, can you talk to people a little bit about the kind of port options? You guys have a lot of expandability on this on this dock as well, compared to some of the other solutions on the market.
6: Yes. So the the dock is uh, has thirteen port expansion. There's fifteen ports on the back technically. So we've got six USB threes. Let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. Uh, six USB threes two audio ports which the audio processing is handled on the dock itself we don't actually interface that's the only port we don't interface with on the computer Uh, there's Thunderbolt mini display port HDMI Uh, we've got a gigabit ethernet port Kensington lock port which we'll touch on a little bit later, too. And there's an SD card slot, and I know I forgot one in there, too. (laughs) Put it this way. Every
0: expansion that you could possibly want on there. And again, what I really like about it is all the expansions on the back because you guys have a really unique way of docking. So I don't have to run that... Thunderbolt cable around the side of my computer, right? It keeps everything nice and clean on the desk.
6: Yeah. So the whole idea behind the product was there there are a lot of different docking products out there. I think the one thing that the other docking products have uh, failed to address is that docking is really more than a hardware problem. And we looked at it as a software problem and how do we blend the operating system with the work environment, too? So we have a three-layer solution here. There, of course, is the hardware, which gets the most attention. Then there's a firmware layer that runs on the dock, which allows the operating system and our app, which is optional, too, to configure the docking settings and also really know what's going on. So we can do everything from handling window arrangement. So you can save a profile if you've got up to three external displays. You can rearrange each of the windows and resize them back to where they were. And you can also do things like when you undock, the computer can handshake with the dock and make sure all your drives are dismounted before it goes through the undocking procedure. But everything happens totally touch-free. So you just come up, you drop your computer in, your connections are made, and when you leave, you can undock from the operating system with a hotkey, and it'll dismount all of your external hard drives, reset all your audio settings, reset your window settings, and then put them back when you come back, which is you know, the second part of it. It's really like coming and going on mobile space is a multi-layer task.
0: Right, you're right. I, you know, I right now have to spend... Several minutes just undocking things, changing configuration settings, and like you said, if you get two of them, one for the office, one for home, or even more, you can have different profiles and different configurations depending upon your location.
6: No, Exactly, and that's uh, even within your location, you can switch profiles, and say you're going to take a Skype call, you can switch from one audio port on the dock to the other for your headset or for an external speaker system, or you can even have your windows snap out to a different location. But the whole idea is reducing user friction. So uh, our goal for every product we make is to make the product disappear. Is that after two weeks of using it, you utterly and completely take it for granted. And I think that's a sign of a successful product. Yeah, this is really
0: a hardware and software blending, a great, great
6: integration of that. Another layer of that
0: uh, you sort of alluded to was security. Can you talk a little bit about some of the security with the hardware and software?
6: Sure thing. So one of the key uh, areas where Apple in general is seeing a lot of growth, at least in terms of percentage of the market, is in enterprise and education and uh, by a subset of that, medical. So. Uh, security is an ongoing concern with a lot of the new Apple products. The bezels got so thin on the new MacBooks that they can no longer support Kensington locks. So to facilitate that, we're interfacing with both port blocks on the the MacBook. So um, if you throw a Kensington lock into the rear of the dock and the computer is docked to our docking station, our horizontal dock, uh, you can't remove the computer without uh, either tight, if you have the security settings set, you can set it so you can have to type a password in before it'll it'll go through the undocking procedure, or you can have it run without security, and you can also have it run uh, purely when the screensavers are running or your computer's asleep or off. So basically, for enterprise, and you look at asset protection for insurance purposes, uh, you can secure your data and your machines totally passively. So basically, it requires no behavior change from the users, and that's one of the classic problems that IT managers face is okay, great, I gave my people this Kensington lock, and that's one more thing they've got to fiddle with. This requires no interface from the, from the user, and you get all the security. So we've seen an uh, overwhelmingly positive response from Enterprise with that, and so it's a, it's a really cool feeling. And then the subset of this with the uh, app, our app is we can trigger Apple scripts. So we're going to make a, a software library sort of available on our site for people to add things on. Uh, we had an IT guy come by a couple days ago. He was like, you know, it'd be great. We have these fire drills, and everybody has to get out of the office right away and we have all these unsecured computers sitting around our office. Well, you could send a, a message out through the network, and every device that's on the network that's hooked into one of our horizontal docks could be locked down from an IT manager, like in an office, bam, right away. Computer labs and education, you can dock and undock all the machines simultaneously. So if you have a computer lab and you have dozens of machines out, you can lock them down, so yeah, I was in high school once too, you know, like <laughs> shenanigans ensue. Uh, it's a great way to lock everything down, and it can all happen totally automatically.
0: That's just, just amazing.
6: Um, so let's talk a little bit about, about pricing.
0: And, uh, yeah, so how much is it going to cost when it comes out? And how can people
6: sort of get in on reserving themselves a, a dock? So uh, we have a final uh, estimated MSRP right now of uh, $300, and we're going to honor that price point for anybody that that pre-orders and also give additional discount. Um, By pre-ordering, you simply go to our website and put in your email address. It's no obligation, but it helps us figure out what the order uh, split's going to be between the chassis styles. So each... MacBook Air and Retina model has a specific chassis that's designed for it. So uh, it help, we're a small company, so it helps us with our inventory ordering so we don't stock out, which happens on a regular basis. And I guess we should have mentioned which, uh, which models you're, you're supporting. So both of the Retinas and the, the MacBook Air
0: models. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for uh, giving us an update. If people want to, like, see images, do you have images up on the website or, you know, get more information? Where should they go?
6: Yeah, it's uh, hengedocs.com, like Stonehenge, and uh, they'll see an image of the horizontal dock up there, and there's some more information on, um, and the latest specs have not been upgraded. (laughs) Sorry, the latest specs have not been updated on the website yet, but uh, we're doing a full website relaunch here in a couple weeks, so... We'll be, we'll be current soon. Okay, so check, check back. And while you're there, you can check
0: out all the other great products because you've got a bunch of other great solutions for other models and designs. Like I said, iPads, iPhones, you know, with the Gravitas and all the other stuff. So thank you very much for your time. Excellent. Thank you very much. I'm with John at uh, Optrix now, and they look like... I'm looking around the booth. I'm thinking rugged cases for people to use their iPhones for sports, extreme sports probably just even family vacations if you want to take your iPhone underwater and maybe get some great shots. I'll let you better describe your products though and what you do. So uh, what is Optrix and what are some of the things you're offering here?
7: Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Optrix is uh, more than just kind of rugged cases. We really focus on kind of uh, videography and photography. So most people shoot all their photos and all their videos with either their iPhone or a big DSLR. And so we're trying to extend the use case of the iPhone by adding a waterproof, rugged case that really focuses on the optics of the iPhone. Right, and so you don't just have the case,
0: it looks like you have a couple of different lens systems for, for the, that go along with the case as well? Yeah, so we
7: have a rugged enclosure that's uh, waterproof to 33 feet, drop-proof to 30 feet. So about five times uh, what you're going to find in a standard kind of rugged case. And then we screw in, we have up to six lenses that uh, attach to the case. Everything from super close-up macro to wide-angle fisheye and even a 4X telephoto, which as far as we know is one of the strongest on the market.
0: Right, and then it looks like you have uh, or work with different mounting solutions, things like that, for different kinds of applications. I see one on a helmet over here.
7: Yeah, so we have our, our own helmet mounts. That's a, a mountain biking helmet, so we'll get you rigged up, maybe some skydiving later. Um, but no, we have some pretty cool stuff, including some apps that will overlay like your speed uh, for action sports. And then, uh, you know, we've also got mounts for people who do videography and photography that are like rolling dollies and this kind of thing. So really, whatever your sport or your need is, we probably have a mount or a product for it. Very, very cool. And then it looks like you have
0: kind of a new, I'm guessing it's aluminum, looks like a gorgeous uh, product for an lens
7: system. That is, is it out now or about to come out? What's, what's going on with that? So these are absolutely brand new. Uh, I don't even know. We don't have these on our website. We got them on Tuesday, and we're debuting them here. This is something we've been pretty passionate about. Our customers have loved our lens products and our rugged products, but we have had the, the customer that says, hey, I just want a pure photography uh, product from you all. And so we've combined uh, kind of what we've done with lenses. We actually talked to Apple and got a lot of input from them when we designed this product. They've uh, kind of pushed away from having anything that's plasticky with the iPhone and and with the Mac brand. So for us, it's all machined aluminum. And I know this doesn't come across when you're listening to me, but uh, holding this in your hand, you can feel the quality, how light that is. It's extremely light, I can vouch for it, yeah. So when you have this on your phone and you're walking around a show like Macworld doing some video and stuff like that, you're not going to have that bulk. Uh, But it's also going to be, as I drop it, uh, much more secure than some of the other uh, plastic clip-on systems that are out there. But I think the the biggest part of this product is is the sex appeal, if I can say that. You know, our lenses, we've got 37 millimeter uh, lenses on there, a 4X telephoto, a 165 wide angle. And they're really going to let a lot of light down onto that image sensor and give you some of the best images you can with an iPhone. Right. So this is an aluminum
0: system. It slides over the iPhone and can slide off easily. Nice and compact as well.
7: It is. It's all machined aluminum, but uh, it's not going to damage your phone. We've got a a really nice padding system on the inside there. It also combines uh, a quarter-twenty mount on the very bottom. So if you want to mount this onto a tripod or some sort of handle as you're walking around shooting your videos and your photos, you can. Great. Um, you want to talk a little bit about uh, the case product and some of the different options and pricing for us? Sure. Uh, we start off entry-level models for 99 Usually they include kind of a wide-angle lens for action sports, uh, as well as our biking product at 99 And then it goes all the way up to our kind of full kit, which is actually our most popular product by far. That's 149 and you're going to get uh, the case, four lenses, uh, lens-holding kit, of uh, various other accessories as well. It looks like, and it looks like you have two different
0: versions for that. It looks like maybe there's an underwater version. I see a bike version as well.
7: Yeah, we have actually a number of different uh, versions. We have two photo versions, an action sports version, and even a biking version, which is kind of interesting. Uh, we've partnered up with two really high end bike mount manufacturers and they've made some really, really cool mounts that are, are, kind of the first designed bike mount. A lot of the bike mounts that are out there really look like afterthoughts, like somebody went in their garage with some zip ties and that kind of thing. And we wanted something that again, mimicked the look of the iPhone. So we're using things like machined aluminum, um, and really high tolerances to make these products. All right. And then the new aluminum photo kit, are you announcing pricing on that and
0: availability or is that kind of ambiguous at this point?
7: Pricing, uh, we're really shooting for a a $99 MSRP, which, um, with all the quality of the parts in there, is going to be tough for us. It's definitely going to be a tight margin product, but the people at the show have been so excited about that, and when they hear the price, they're really kind of uh, blown away. So, I think we're really going to try to focus on that price. Very cool. And any time frame on when it might be available? Yeah. So, we are uh, really pushing for, like, the next 45 days. Uh, And the coolest thing about this is because we're doing everything out of machined aluminum, we can be ready when new devices come out and all of your lenses are going to transfer so anyone that orders this for an iphone 5 or a 5s uh should uh, an iphone 6 or a 6s or whatever we could possibly happen ever come out uh we'll be tooled up with brackets for that very quickly and all your lenses that you paid for will transfer to the new devices Uh, very cool yeah so there's an upgrade upgrade path there great so if people want to see all of these
0: products check out all this stuff get more information where can they go uh, Optrix.com is the best. That's O-P-T-R-I-X.com. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming by. I'm at Busy Mac now with John Chafee, and they have some exciting news. I, I've been walking by here you know, all week, and I finally got over here. Um, looks like you guys got Macworld Best of Show again. I was joking earlier saying that Anytime you have a new product, they probably should just give it to you right at the beginning of the show because I know it's going to be amazing. Um, but I will let you tell the folks what you guys are announcing. And uh, so what do you got that's new?
8: Hi, Adam. Good to see you. Yeah. you. Uh, we just introduced Busy Contacts, which is our application that replaces the built-in contact app on OS 10, the same way that our BusyCal replaces the built-in calendar app on OS 10.
0: Yeah, and... Uh, people who listen to my show know I'm a huge fan. I've been a BusyCal user for forever. Uh, contacts, you know, on OS 10, good app, but obviously maybe there's some
8: opportunities to do better. So what are you guys doing that's uh, unique with BusyContacts? Well, since the day we launched BusyCal five years ago, people have been begging us to do a contact manager. And so we're glad to be finally doing that. And we designed it the same way we did with BusyCal to be compatible with the built-in contact manager, to sync with iCloud and Google and Exchange and to sync with your iPhone. But we just gave you more power and flexibility in how you want to organize your contacts. We have some nice tagging capabilities, so you can tag contacts and put them into grouped uh, tags by group. Um, smart filters for searching for contacts based on maybe where they work or what their name is or what they're, how they're tagged. And a real flexible list view so that you can have a multi-column list view and see everybody that works at a certain company sorted by first name and things of that nature. But I think probably the best feature, well, there's a couple of them. Uh, One is that it integrates with BusyCal. So I can create appointments with contacts and have a history of all the interaction I've had with a certain contact and see that from within BusyContacts. We also brought uh, address book sharing. So I can share an address book with my wife or with my coworkers, uh, like you can do with calendars and BusyCal. Right. So kind of breaking it down on all those features because there's a lot in there. So
0: one is I'm going to have support for contacts that I have in a bunch of different kinds of systems, right? So I see Exchange here, uh, Google, iCloud, uh, Frux, which maybe you can explain a little bit too.
8: Uh, Frux is another service similar to iCloud and Google. It uses the CardDav and CalDav standards, On top of those services, though, we'll sync with social networks like uh, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.
0: Right. So one of the ideas here is a lot of us are getting our contacts kind of all over the place. So this is going to let me pull everything into one area. And then these other tools that we're talking about are going to help me organize and find those contacts. Because you start getting a
8: big contact database, it can get really cumbersome to find the data that you're looking for, right? Yeah. And it also gets really confusing when you have all these contacts coming from multiple sources to figure out who's coming from where. And uh, the model we use with Busy Contacts is similar to the calendar where you can color code each of your address books. So I can say my iCloud contacts are blue and my Facebook contacts are green. And that way I can see at a glance, if I see two cards for Adam Christensen and one is blue and one is green, I can tell, oh, that's the one from iCloud and that's the one from Facebook. And it really helps when you're dealing with a lot of duplicates, which is a pretty common problem today.
0: Right, and so then we start throwing on things like tags. So if I need to find, you know, maybe all the people that are uh, medical or healthcare people, or if I need to find all the people that are Apple press, things like that, that can I can start building in that metadata to my contacts as well.
8: Absolutely, you can create as many tags as you want and apply multiple tags, um, similar to that with our smart filters. You could say, I want to find all the people that uh, work at Macworld, and so you're searching by Macworld, and the nice thing about these smart filters is that they're dynamic. So if I have six people at Macworld today and a new person comes on board and I create a new card and I put Macworld in the company field they're automatically going to get added to that smart filter. I didn't ha- I don't have to manually add them to it like you would with the groups in OS10 contacts.
0: Right, and then those can get saved and I can come back and find those groups very very easily. I also really like you you mentioned briefly the integration with uh BusyCal and this kind of history so I can see when I pull up I have you have my uh card up here now I can see future events that we had, uh, future to-dos, past to-dos, those sorts of things.
8: That's right. So you have a full history of all the interactions you've had with the contacts in your database. Very, very cool. I'm super excited about this. I think you announced now,
0: but this is something that's coming in the future.
8: It's not available yet. You can go to our site for more info and to sign up for the public beta coming in a few months.
0: Right. And it sounds like, too, you're, you're you're looking for feedback as well?
8: Oh, absolutely. We expect to get a lot of feedback. We've certainly received a lot of it here at the show. (laughs) Well, very, very cool. Obviously, great stuff.
0: It looks great. I am excited. Now I'm going to be just sitting there waiting for this to get released. I'm going to go sign up for the beta. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) All right. Thanks, John. If people want to see BusyCal, which is available, get more information on that, and then sign up and do all that stuff, remind them again where they can go? At BusyMac.com. Great. Always great stuff from BusyMac. Thanks so much, John. My pleasure. So there you go. That concludes my Mac World iWorld coverage. We're going to get back into all of the regular MacCast stuff. I've got some new stories getting lined up for you. That should be out hopefully in uh, the next couple of days. Here, so stay tuned to to your feeds. Uh, but before I leave you, I do want to take a quick moment and thank all of my show's sponsors: Smile, makers of Text Expander, PDF Pen, Disc Label, also Text Expander Touch for your iOS devices, as well as PDF Pen for iPhone and iPad, along with PDF Pen Scan Plus, all awesome applications. You really should check out their stuff. You can get more information and details over at smilesoftware.com. And Gazelle, find out what your used iPhone, iPad, or other Apple products are worth simply by going to gazelle.com. And that is going to do it for today. If you have any feedback for me, you have questions about Macworld, you have something you'd like to hear covered on a future episode of the MacCast, maybe a question about some of the products that you've heard over the about over the last couple episodes, you can send your feedback to maccast at gmail.com. You can also call in on the listener hotline. That's at 281-622-4269, mac 9 and leave voicemail messages there. You can also leave voicemail on Skype, and my Skype address is the MacCast. If you need show notes, links to any of these items that you've heard about over the last few episodes, you can find those on the website. That's over at MacCast.com. Just find the particular show where I discuss them, and you'll see the links right there. Normally, if you want to access the show notes, there's also a link to the show notes in both HTML and OPML formats. So occasionally, people have a hard time locating those. They're right in the show post for whichever episode you're interested in, and you will find them there. If you'd like to follow me online between shows, you can find me on social media. Twitter is MacCast, also the MacCast Facebook page over at facebook.com slash MacCast, And You can find me on Google+. Um, Just search for MacCast on Google+. They still haven't given me a a short URL or whatever you want to call it, a custom URL. URL for Google Plus. I'm hoping one day that I'll get one of those. Uh, and also, uh, I did shoot some images and videos and things from my Mac World iWorld trip this year. You can find those over at MacCast.today. dot today. That's a new Tumblr website that I set up. I'm going to try and post littler things that I'm doing from now on over at that site. So if you want to follow that, bookmark it, what have you, uh, check that out. But that is going to do it for now. Until next time. I will talk to you all again real soon.